Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday Celebration from the Center for Spiritual Living in Huntsville, Alabama. We hope you feel the grace, the beauty, and the love of our community as you hear the message of the week. So thank you, Raul and Bob, for taking us into that sacred space where we know we are loved, where we are held, where we are seen and valued as an aspect of the one life. And so we open our hearts to the one heart, the heart of the universe. And we anchor ourselves in a truth that sets us free of the illusion of separation. There is one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. And that life is my life now. Spirit was never born and spirit never dies. And what we are is a spiritual being having a human experience. And so as we anchor ourselves in the truth of our being, And we meet what life brings us with gratitude. This morning I got the announcement that my twin sister was found dead yesterday in her apartment. And all morning I've been holding her in my heart and seeing her smile. Uh, Knowing that she still lives, she's just not in her body. And so I show up for this experience this Sunday morning on the brink of everything to know that this is the moment the Lord has made. Could I rejoice and be glad in it, knowing that her spirit is free and that she is with us right here in this space. My beloved Wanda Gale reminded me in the year 2000 when my mother had the massive heart attack. She said, David, you will be closer to your mother in death than you ever were in life. And now I know that to be my experience for the last 22 years. And now I have to make space for my twin sister there as well. She was my best friend. As she referred to herself, she was my womb mate. And uh, I was the, the runt of the litter. And she was the oldest girl child and our mother worked full time. And so my twin sister took care of me as the little runt of the litter. When I would fall down and get bruised and pebbles in my arms, she would tweeze them out with the tweezers and put band-aids on them. And she had that nurturing maternal quality that I so uh, remember about her. She also was crazy as a loon and I loved that part of her too. She was a Sagittarius like myself. And um, I used to tell her that the mantra of a Sagittarius is a closed mouth gathers no foot, but she couldn't seem to understand that. And she had this way of saying things that would offend the normal person. And yet in her mind, that's what her job was, to comfort the afflicted. And boy, would she, as she phrased it, tell them how the bear shits in the woods. This was my twin sister's 
favorite phrase. I'll tell them how the bear shits in the woods. And, and I said, Pat, couldn't you put it in a different way? And, and then she'd say something equally offensive. And that was her endearing quality, that she was her own unique person. And I will forever treasure that part of her. Um, we're doing a series this month of December on the brink of everything. It is based on this lovely book by Parker Palmer, who at the ripe old age of 80, he came to the realization that all we ever experience is our life in the present moment. And he said at age 80, my goal is to be to reflect the life that I've been given and not somebody else's version of that life. And so I'm going to leave you with his closing words here about what it's all about, because this man is brilliant to me. He said, wholeness is the goal. Now, the irony about wholeness is, is that we're already whole. We do a revealing service here before we start off our Sunday service. And Ernest Holmes says, there is never anything to heal. There is only the hidden wholeness to be revealed. So Parker Palmer, and that phrase came from Thomas Merton, the, the saintly uh, Franciscan monk, who talked about there is a hidden wholeness in all of us that wants to emerge. So Parker goes on to say this wholeness is the goal, but wholeness doesn't mean perfection. It means embracing the brokenness as an integral part of life. We're all flawed. Isn't that beautiful to know? So there's a phrase in the Bible, could my perfect self adore my own imperfect self? Who among you is without imperfections? Oh, it's nice to see that there's a little bit of flaw out there. Delicious flaws. And you know, the indigenous people said in the tapestries, they would always leave a flaw in the tapestry so that the soul could escape. So what if in my twin's flaws, she was showing me her hidden splendor, her wholeness? I have to be there now for her four kids. The sooner we understand this, the better. It's the truth that can set us free so that we can live well and love well and in the end, so we can die well. His whole premise is break out of the illusion of who you think you are and wake up to your real self. Now, the real self is made with darkness and light. It's made with contraction and expansion. We're not here to be little Pollyanna goody two-shoes. We're here to embrace our humanity, our vulnerability, our, our frailties. They become the sacred parts of us if we can only see it in a different way. Any of you have any pets that have flaws? I seem to attract the flawed kind. And you know, I love the flaws because they bring me to a place of compassion, a place of patience, a place of deep acceptance. Finishing a little bit of Parker. He said, I can't think of a sadder way to die than with the knowledge that I never showed up in the world as to who I really was. I love to quote Bernie Siegel who says, be who you is and not who you ain't. Because if you ain't who you is, you is who you ain't. And if you is who you ain't, well, then you ain't who you is. So he says, the great purpose of life is to show up and be who you are. This is an 80-year-old man speaking. And he said, I can't think of anything worse than to never showed up in the world as to who I really was. I can't think of a more graced way to die than with the knowledge that I have showed up here as my true self, as the best that I knew how I was able to engage life freely and lovingly because I had become fierce with reality as to who I am. Oh, there's my beloved Maddie. Hi, precious. That was a little girl that used to run up the aisles and jump into my arms at the end of the church service to remind me that we're all one family, one beautiful family. And you know, it's important that we reframe how we look at things. 
Jesus, who they're celebrating today, he said, I speak, but they do not hear. So he said, I speak in parables. And the parables, in fact, the whole Bible is, is a mythological book pointing to something greater. And so we've been given this beautiful myth of a virgin birth. We've been given a, a myth of a crucifixion and a resurrection. It's all pointing to a process that we each individually must experience in life. And so today we're celebrating the birth of the Christ child. And it's very interesting that Richard Rohr, the Franciscan monk, his latest book is called The Universal Christ. And he says, we are all here at this stage of our evolution to give birth to the universal Christ. The second coming is not gonna come from an individual. It's gonna come from the collective consciousness that where the Christ awakens within us. It's like the Buddha consciousness and it's gotta happen in the collective. So we are part of a group of, um, I won't say enlightened beings, but uh, evolutionary throw forwards. And we are here to evolve into our true nature, which is the awakened nature of the Buddha consciousness or the Christ consciousness. In that, our hearts open. And what I've noticed is we begin to see that everything is our own self, that we're not separate from one another. It was Nisargadatta that said, when you know you're nothing, no thing, well, that is wisdom. And when you know that you're everything, he said, well, then that is love. So could we know that we're not a thing that's separate from other things, but rather we are this divine love emerging through individualized expressions as the one life. Then what happens when this divine love awakens, this true nature, you have compassion for the suffering of the planet. With this cold weather, my sweet husband is concerned about the birds at the bird feeders and the bird baths. And he says, oh, where are they gonna go, David? They must be cold. And you know, it's so funny, they take refuge in your garage. And the other day we saw this hawk swoop down on the front porch and he's hungry. And then he saw that we have all these feeders up and the birds were all at the feeders and he goes into the tree and he's looking at the birds and Trey says, chase him out of the, chase him out of the yard. I said, the hawk's gotta eat too. And then Trey said, I found the head of a blue jay and his beak was, I said, okay, too much information, but we live in a living organism and how we respond to that living organism is our responsibility. So could we put on new eyes and see things with, uh, uh, a grateful heart. My beloved Judy Graff is here and she called me to do a treatment for the weather. And I reminded her that I can't treat for the weather, but that she is a Nebraska girl and she can handle anything. And then she laughed. And, uh, but I did treat to know that we get to anchor ourselves in a peaceful place, knowing that the grace of God abounds. And in that grateful heart, we are open to receive the grace of even a family member's death an inevitability that we all get to face. My, my twin sister passed away yesterday. And so I'm just letting you all know, this is a sacred time to honor her and to feel her. I pulled out my Ernest Holmes, 365 days. And he's the guy that my very first sermon here in Huntsville in 1989 was on Easter Sunday. And I pulled out Ernest Holmes on that Sunday. I think Sylvie and Judy were here. And Ernest Holmes says, if you want to know what the resurrection is about, you have to have your own resurrection. Whoa, that sounds kind of personal, doesn't it? To have your own resurrection. You know, that something has to step out of the death of you into the life of you. Well, he does the same thing around the virgin birth. Ernest Holmes is kind of a one trick pony, isn't he? Ernest Holmes says, the guiding star that led the Magi of old to the place where the little child lay that is the place of good in your soul. Well, they're saying the Christ child's within you, Maddie. What do you think about that? That's Bert speaking. It's in your soul. This Christ child is the presence of God at the, S, at the center of every person and everyone. 
I need to put on my readers because sometimes the print gets a little small and I squint and then my tears come and I can't see. Okay, he says, the humility of the manger, you see the metaphor? The humility of the manger, that's that humble place, is the commonplace in every person's life and it is here in the commonplace that we must find the good. And in finding it in this humble place, we shall also discover that there are larger issues of our experience. They're overwhelmed and overshadowed by the same good that we have discovered in that commonplace. In other words, the good, the God, the peace, the love can meet whatever adversity and can anchor us in a truth that sets us free. The truth is that spirit was never born and spirit never died. It's funny, I'm, I'm flashing back on my very first the very first wedding I ever did was Judy Graff's wedding. I remember the very first funeral I did, and I ended up quoting the Bhagavad Gita at a Christian's funeral. And of course, I gave credit to the Bhagavad Gita, and I think that everybody walked out. But in the Bhagavad Gita, they say spirit was never born and spirit never dies. Now, isn't that, isn't that the truth that we need to anchor at a time like this? So Ernest Holmes goes on to explain this Christ child as the light of the one. Well, let's hear the metaphor a little bit further teeny bit further with the metaphor from Dr. Ernest Holmes. He says, people are spoken of as being the candles of the Lord. He's quoting um, the book of Isaiah, that we are the candles of the Lord, that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not. That is, the darkness has no power over the light, but the light will overcome the darkness. And then he says, when Isaiah said that the Lord shall be thy everlasting light, what he meant was there is a light within us well, there's another metaphor one to Gail. There's a light within us. It's the light of truth, the light of spirit, the light of God. And it cannot set. It cannot become obliterated. It cannot be blown out and it cannot die, Michael. The candle of the Lord burns forever because its wick is sunk deep in the wellsprings of reality with the big R. So are you relating as the big R? Are you relating as a widow are? Because the widow are is temporary. So this relative self gets to surrender to the reality of a life that was never born and a life that never dies. And maybe on Christmas, we get to anchor ourselves in a truth that's bigger than the birth of a Christ child to a virgin in a stable as a beautiful metaphor of something that's awakening in the humble heart of each one of us if we can say yes. This is the life the Lord has given me. I went to, um, my, my beloved Wanda Gale sent me for Christmas, the latest enlightened book from the presses, James Twyman's book called The Non-Dual Universe. Non-dual teachers teach oneness. And it was, it was Einstein himself that says there are two kinds of people, those who think there are two and those who don't. Well, I hope you can figure that one out. If there's only one here, how could there be two? So in a non, excuse me, in a non-dual universe, there isn't you and me. There's only the one life, and to know yourselves of that, as as they say in the Sufi tradition, you are the source, with the big S. You are the journey, and you are the goal. I heard last week RuPaul, who's starting her twentieth season of the RuPaul Drag Show, she calls it the Art of Drag, and she says at sixty-two, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is I stretch because at sixty-two you need to keep the body flexible. She said the second thing I do is I pray, and how I pray is I say, Source, I am one with you, and then I say I am one with everyone, and then I go out in my day because everyone is me, that I'm not separate from anyone. And I said RuPaul is saying what I've been saying for thirty-four years, and I had to hear it 
I mean, it's that simple. There's only one here. So James Twyman, who is a Franciscan monk and an Anglican Episcopal priest, reformed, he has the peace community, and I loved reading this book, but he talks about we have to experience our true nature. It can't be a concept of the mind. And then he likens this virgin birth as to our soul pecking out of a shell. We're like in a little shell, Miss Sylvia. And this is, he says, the shell is the illusion of who we think we are. And we projected onto that shell all our ideas, our beliefs, our opinions, our judgments. And then he says, but we need enough strength to peck out of that shell to experience our true reality. Well, let's hear how he puts it in the non-dual sort of way. You've got to get a diversity here. Okay. The eternal presence we sometimes call the I am consciousness that is whole and wholly protected. This will not happen through words or symbols, but through the cracking open of the egg that you've been hiding inside for so long. Well, Maddie, you're going to have to break out of that little shell. Set your soul free. Yep. This will not happen through words or symbols, but through the cracking opening of the egg that you've been hiding in for so long. You are like a baby bird that persistently pecks at it with its tiny peak on the inside of the shell until it finally cracks and breaks open. Holy, you know what? None of this is real. I shared with you Emerson who had the epiphany in 1831 as the minister in the first church in Boston when his young wife died and he finds the writings of Copernicus and Copernicus is saying that the earth isn't the center of the universe and that God didn't make the earth in six days and then have a tree in a garden and a snake and original sin to which we have to have a man die so his blood can set us and set us free. He said all of that was erroneous and he got this from reading Copernicus who said, we are a little planet in a big universe. And he says, so our religion is based on a lie. Could we, and that's the shell upon which Emerson was living in. And so when the shell literally fell away, he said, I cannot preach from that shell anymore. And so then he found truth awakening in him and he went, wrote the Harvard Divinity School address and he said, let go of your God of tradition and your God of the intellect and let your soul be set on fire with the same truth that ignited all of those that you seem to be referencing. Release the truth of who you are. He's saying the same thing, peck out of your shell. You're like a baby bird persistently pecking on the inside of your shell and until, until you project your beliefs about the world onto the inside of the shell, but the moment you are free to look around and see what's real, you'll never be able to claim those projections again. You've set yourself free of your narrative. You're not a lowly sinner. You're not a worm in the dust. When we were Episcopals, I remember we would pull out the, the book of prayer. Oh, unworthy scum that I am. And I remember chanting this stuff and asking my mom, why are we chanting this stuff? Because you are lowly and unworthy and all that sort of stuff. And it never felt right then and it doesn't feel right now. He quotes the Course in Miracles. He said, the Course in Miracles says that words are symbols of symbols. Therefore, they're twice removed from the truth. So every time you're trying to teach the truth with words, you can't do it. The truth can be spoken isn't the truth. The Tao says the Tao that can be spoken about isn't the Tao. And he who says does not know, and he who knows does not say. So words are a poor symbol of the truth. Well, then how are you going to communicate the truth, Wanda Gale? Well, maybe through your actions. Jesus says, by their actions ye shall know them. So what is the action of compassion in your world? You know? Huh. A symbol of reality is never equal to reality itself. It may represent what is symbolized, but it will never be the same. So we have so many symbols, don't we? We have the Virgin. 
the virgin birth. The virgin is the part of us that's pure, that gives birth to the Christ self. So could we enter into that pure place within ourselves? It has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with consciousness, and that this I am consciousness wants to emerge through each one of us if we give it permission. So that's the deeper message I think we get to take away at whatever stage you're on on this journey, this journey to nowhere, this journey to now here, as Wayne Dyer used to say. You're not going anywhere. There's no finish line. The kingdom of heaven isn't going to happen when you die. It doesn't have streets of gold. It doesn't have a big man with a gold G who has the naughty and nice list. Gigi came into class on Wednesday and she said, did you see the Huntsville Times? I said, no, no, no. She said there was a cartoon and she said it was so funny. It showed Santa dragging his dragging his sack to the Department of Justice and there was a redheaded ex-president sitting in the sack. And she said, we're going to take you to see if you're on the naughty or nice list. Oh, it's just a joke. It was a comment. I thought, could we make, you know, make have levity around this life? I was sharing you my little... You know, they're banning a lot of books in our country. And uh, one of the books they're banning in the schools is Not All Boys Are Blue. And it's a true story of a young black man who is gay and his story. And um, some people are threatened by a gay person's true story of coming out. And it's so funny, I almost sent it to my little sister because her grandson, Will, is three years old. And Will's favorite color is pink, Maddie. and. Um, he went to see a Christmas movie that had Santa in it. And when they left the movie, he was sobbing in the back seat of the car. So my niece said, what's wrong, Will? And he said, Santa's gonna send the penguins. They put him on the naughty list. All the penguins are on the naughty list. And he's sobbing. And I thought, oh, this kid. And I said, you know, to my twit little sister, the penguin's my spirit animal. And his favorite color is pink. I thought, this kid is really sacred to be born in a family that told me I chose to be the way I am. Whoa, I think there's a karmic lesson going on there. What do you think, Wanda Gale? Anyway, so I sent her some money and I said, buy some pink yarn and knit him that uh, catcher's mitt mask in pink so that he'll feel at home as he plays his baseball. You got to make headway where you can in this world. So last week I shared with you, there's a beautiful line in the science of mind that says principle is not bound by precedent and earnest and Ralph Waldo Emerson, who the next class we're going to be teaching, he was, that was his message that he says, we live in a principle and the principle is that we're all created equal. And so he said, if we live in the principle, but the precedent is that women aren't equal, the precedent is that blacks aren't equal, how can we live in a country? And so he was the one that was standing up for the liberation of the African-Americans. He was the one that was standing up for women's rights. And he says, we feel that men will be threatened if you give women the right to vote. And he says, Trust me, he says, they have more wisdom. And can you imagine if we work together? So Emerson worked diligently during his times to fight against the precedence of separation and ignorance. And we still are in those times in America where we get to stand up for diversity. We get to stand up for those who are less accepted in our world. And isn't that nice to know that we get to do that, that they're all God's children, you know? So Unto Us is Born is the title of today's talk, and it was Meister Eckhart, um, this wonderful medieval monk, who said, the only begotten is ever begetting itself in me right now. Oh, I think we should say that together. The only begotten is ever begetting itself in me right now. So could we be the opening for this universal Christ that Richard Rohr talks about? And if not now, when? It's going to be when you finish all your ministerial training, Wanda Gale? 
Or could it be right in this holy instant of now when your sister makes her transition? You know? And so I like to see her as returning. You know, it was John O'Donohue that says, you know, when you die, he says, you're with the invisible and you're also with the visible. So she's here with me, but she's also with my beloved mother. And so I get to know that at a spiritual level, at a truth level, that they all still live. They just don't live in their form. And then we get to uh, enter into this world with a different way of perceiving things. I watched Nancy Pelosi retire from her long career as the first Speaker of the House, and her father was a very strong member of Congress who fought for the rights of Jews during World War II when they were sending the boatloads over. He was the one that fought for them to come into the country. He was impassioned about shifting the precedent that we have to embrace all people as the citizens of the universe. And so she said, my father lives in me. It's not his spirit. No, she said, he's been with me every step of the way. So could we adjust to that different way of perceiving? It was Thich Nhat Hanh, the wonderful Buddhist saint that said, the ancestors live in you and, and this is the most important one for me, the expectations of the ancestors live in you. And so what are the expectations of Emerson that get to live in me? What are the expectations of Rumi that get to live in me? Rumi says that we're here to walk each other home. Rumi says that we are here to meet in a field where we're not separate, where even the idea of each other does not exist. We're here to drown in this ocean of love where he said, we merge in the field of love where we're not separate anymore. And so if Rumi lives in me and Emerson lives in me and my beautiful crazy twin sister lives in me and my mother lives in me and gosh knows, Kennedy Schultz lives in me. You know, in this book on non-duality, the one thing that James Twyman says is he says, if this book makes you uncomfortable, it's doing its work. Now, that's what my teacher Kennedy used to say. He said, we're not here to comfort the afflicted. We're here to afflict the comfortable. Some people get so comfortable in their prejudices, in their closed conclusions about how things are. And some people are saved and some people aren't. Let go of your conclusions and set yourself on fire with a consciousness that knows we're all one, that these are all my relations and that we're here to serve one another, to love one another. Jesus' last words, just love one another as I've loved you. Did he hate gay people? I'd like to say that Jesus had John on one shoulder and Thomas on the other. I don't think he hated gay people. There was not one word of hate in there. So I'm going to close with Marianne Williamson, uh, where she does a prayer for the emergence of the Christ within us. Well, I think that's kind of sweet, isn't it, Wanda Gale? She's going right to the Christ within us. We've all accessed it. The only begotten is begotten itself, Miss Maddie, and you. So here's the prayer for the Christ in you to go out into the world. Oop, got to open to the right page. This is a prayer for the soul. And she says, Dear God, today, Christmas Day, this day, I give to you my soul. Do with me as you want to. And please make of my heart your vessel and your servant. May the glorious light of the Lord of creation find a restful home in my soul. Well, it sounds kind of like Ernest Holmes, doesn't it, Wanda Gale? May the light of the one rest in my soul and shine forth into the world, Mr. Michael. May I be no more who I used to be. Wool, I'm tired of living in the illusion of the shell, Mr. Raoul. Let's peck out of that shell. What do you say? And then we'll all be free in the one life, no longer trapped in the illusion of who we thought we were. Yeah. 
May I be no more who I used to be. And in this moment, I now embrace the divine child within me. You know, when Wanda Gale shows up in that little red hat, I see her little girl. And you know, our wonder child, that one that we knew when we were little boys and girls, that's where we were close to our divinity and he, she are still there. So he's saying, let's open to that divine child of love. When Maddie ran down the aisle, she was as perfect then as she is now. And she hasn't lost that. So could we learn from these children? Be like a child if you'd enter the kingdom, he said. May the glorious light of the Lord of creation find a restful home inside my soul. And may I be no more who I used to be. I now embrace the divine child within me. And may it burst forth now to bless the world. Let's let our divine child bless the world. When Bob shows up to me, he's a little 12-year-old boy playing Chopin. May it burst forth now to bless the world, and may I not be tempted to doubt the light that lights the entire world. Don't doubt your light. It's not your light. You're a conduit for the light. Just let your light shine. Jean has such a beautiful light. Thanks for putting on the faucets and the things. I can always tell when Jean's been helping me keep the church afloat. So may I not be tempted to doubt the light that lights the entire world, illumine the earth and save the world. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So let's just do a little closing. Uh, yeah, you want to go hit the bell, Mr. Raul, the mindfulness bell? It's so good to see you, Judy. Tell Hank we love him. So let's get settled into our seats as we do this closing meditation. Thank you, Raul. So the mindfulness bell is an invitation to stop and to be here now. It was Emerson that says, be and not seem. He says, let us acquiesce, which means to surrender. As I get my bloated nothingness out of the way, I connect with the divine circuits. And so the bloated nothingness is the shell of our false self, our egoic self, our finite self, the part of us that wails and suffers. Simultaneously, there's this infinite presence that lies stretched in smiling repose, and we turn to that infinite presence of divine love, that peace that passes all understanding, that creative child of the universe who we've just experienced in that lovely prayer of Marianne Williamson's, knowing that this divine child within us is the light of the universe. And so we, we breathe into and out from this place. Uh, and we say, yes, this life belongs to you, beloved. Do with it as you will. And may your compassion flow from our heart. May your wisdom fill the field of our awareness. May your patience assist us through every moment of every day, knowing that your grace is sufficient and that all of life is grace, which is the unmerited givingness of the universe to itself. And so we open to the grace of death, knowing that death is really a birth. And so what of my sister died was just her body. And what endures is her beautiful soul, such a kind, sweet, loving soul. So we smile to her, she's here with us. 
And she lets me know that she'll be with me, helping me along the way. She'll be closer in death than she was in life. And so we open to those who maybe are no longer here in form on this Christmas day. And we invite them into our hearts. Uh, knowing that it isn't my light or their light, it's the one light, God's light. It's not my love or their love, it's the one love. And so we meet in that light, we meet in that love that is deathless and eternal. The Sufis say that when you make your transition, you take the light with you and you leave the love behind. And I like to smile to that idea because we can feel this love that was never born and never dies, but we also can feel the light, the light of the one uh, that interspirits along the way. So now I invite you to find that place within yourself uh, and rest there. That place that says all is well. The God of love, as Raul so beautifully started this prayer, the light of God enfolds us, the love of God embraces us. And so we open to this beloved presence that's always assisting us along the way. Perhaps it's singing to us, you've got a friend when you're down and troubled and you need some loving care and nothing, oh, nothing seems to be going right. Just call out my name, beloved, beloved, beloved. Because the beloved never went anywhere. And so in this holy instant of now, on this threshold of a new birth, the awakened Christ within, uh, we say yes, a thousand times yes. This is the life that we share. And so to this universal Christ within and all around, I'd invite you to place your hand on your heart and join with me in the heart salutation this Christmas morning by saying to that divine presence, I honor you. I respect you. I love you. You are the enduring presence of the one life. Illuminating our hearts and minds setting us free of our own nonsense so that we might smile in your presence and offer this life in service to the one life that we all share with grateful hearts and a cheerful expectancy. Oh, feel that now as a seed that you planted into the divine soul that is growing that seed within your own hearts and minds. Uh, and with patience and love, we let it unfold as it blossoms in our future, graced in love. And so it is. So thank you all. There's a sign-up sheet for the new class. We're having the World Peace Meditation on Saturday morning at 6 a.m. We've been doing this since 1984. And it's where the collective consciousness, it's called the, the 100th monkey. If enough people come together meditating on peace, we change the vibration on the planet. That's the idea. But it's, it's a beautiful 
experience because you feel this connection. The reason it's 6 a.m. here is because it's at 12 noon Greenwich time, which means if you're in Hawaii, it's at 4 a.m. If you're in Los Angeles, it's six, uh, no, it's 4 a.m. in Los Angeles. I think it's 1 a.m. in Hawaii. We're pretty good at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. on the East Coast. And it's only for an hour, and we meditate on peace. And if you want to bring a prayer, it's a lovely experience. So anyway, have a Merry Christmas. Thanks for showing up here on this day of days. And hold my sister in your heart. Feel her sweet presence. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.cslhuntsville.org.